They're hairy and they're scary, mysterious and slimy. They're all together grimy, the Cryptid Crunch Bunch. Hello and welcome back to the Cryptid Crunch. I'm Sam. And I'm Alina. And today we are talking about Native American cryptids. Ooh. We got the Thunderbird, the Wendigo, and the Wampus Cat. Yes. Starting off with the Thunderbird. What you got, Elena? All right. So when I was, I think, five years old, my family took a road trip to the Grand Canyon. And at some point, we had stopped at this little Native American touristy type store. And I remember pointing out a totem pole that looked like a carving of a bird on the top. And I said something, and one of the employees must have overheard me and said, oh, that's a Thunderbird. When it flies, its wings make the sound of thunder. That's pretty cool. Yeah. At five years old, I was like, that's sick. Yeah. Uh, I first heard about Thunderbirds through the Harry Potter universe mm-hmm. with, like, Fantastic Beasts and all that. Gotcha, gotcha. So, the Thunderbird is described as an enormous flying creature with a wingspan more than twice the length of a war canoe, which is approximately 20 feet. And, fun fact, the largest scientifically recognized bird in North America is the California condor with a wingspan of up to 10 feet, making the Thunderbird twice its size. Big Very bird. Cool. Yes. So, the Thunderbird has been a part of Native American history and culture for many years. All over, the Thunderbird symbolizes power, nobility, and strength. In almost all Native American tribes, the Thunderbird is the dominant icon or symbol in their traditions and artwork, such as totem poles, pottery, jewelry, masks, petroglyphs, and carvings. Totems are often totems often have giant birds carved into them. Sometimes with underwater, with the underwater panther on the bottom. Many tribes share stories and even songs depicting the Thunderbird to honor the powerful creature. Some West Coast tribes believed the Thunderbird and humans made a deal for the Thunderbird to help them in times of food crisis in exchange for them honoring the Thunderbird in their culture. This is possible where the idea of the Thunderbird is a protector of human, where the idea that the Thunderbird is a protector of humanity came from. The Lakota Suix believed if you saw birds in your dreams, you were destined to become a medicine man in the tribe. While if you saw the Thunderbird in your dreams, you would be destined to be <laughs> a sac- I, I'm not sure if sacred clown was the what it meant. Uh-huh. Or if there was like a weird translation thing. Interesting. But that's what I found and I'm not sacred clown that's interesting also real quick um it is lakota sioux lakota sioux. i'm yeah. so sorry you're okay <laughs> please forgive me if i pronounce any of these i just wrong. know that if you would have found out later you'd have been like darn it oh i would have yeah. been so mad at myself <laughs> you're fine so lakota sioux yeah okay mm-hmm. thank you you're welcome <laughs> The Lakota Sioux tribe also believed the Thunderbird was a highly respected and feared spirit. To the Alini tribes, again, I hope I pronounced that right. I'm so <laughs> sorry if I got it wrong. The Thunderbird was said to be a vengeful spirit that would feed on large whales and even children. Oh, God. Uh, it would use its powers of thunder to scare off humans from its nests and away from its territory. Some of the... Plank... <laughs> You are right there? Yes. So sorry. <laughs> Some of the plain tribes, including the, again, I'm sorry if I pronounced these wrong, Arapaho tribe, believed the Thunderbird was associated with summer, while a great white owl was associated with winter. 
What? I hate white owls. And I think I've talked about this with you before. You have. Yeah, the movie The Fourth Kind was about this white owl would show up every time before people get abducted by aliens. I love owls. They're cute, but I'm just horrified by Have you movie. ever seen people of like singing at owls or like playing like Shakira and the yes. owl just like dancing? They are really cute, yes. But they're, they're my terrifying. favorite animals next oh to bats. Gosh. I love owls. Bats are cute. When I was a little kid, I loved snowy owls. I loved Hedwig. I was so sad when Hedwig died. R.I.P. I said Hedwig, isn't it Hedwig? Close enough, you know. (laughs) (laughs) You know how I am. Yes, kind of stuff. It's fine. So there aren't really any concrete reported sightings of the Thunderbird. Um, There isn't even a concrete first sighting, as the sightings do date back to ancient times and have continuously been spotted throughout history, even like as soon as like today. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So. As I mentioned before, how I found about Thunderbirds was in the Harry Potter universe and Fantastic Beasts. Mm-hmm. In the first one, it plays kind of a, a big kind of a big role. It plays a good role mm-hmm. in it. But um, in the Harry Potter universe, the Amer- the North American mm-hmm. magic school, mm-hmm. it's called Il- Ilvermani. Ilver- Sounds right. <laughs> yeah. Ilvermani. Uh, the four schools for it, which aren't like an exact one-for-one ratio of like the Hogwarts, like mm-hmm. in Ilvermani, they represent heart, body, mind, and spirit. Mm-hmm. And the one representing soul are the Thunderbirds, mm-hmm. and the ones for them are usually like the Adventurers. That's cool. And on Pottermore, there used to be an Ilvermani house quiz. They got rid of it for some what? reason. Yeah, that's they used rude. to have it, and I took it, and I got it sorted into Thunderbirds. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I love that. They got rid of it. That's stupid. So, for Thunderbirds and pop culture, um, I mean, that kind of was, you know, also a pop culture thing. Yeah. <laughs> but the Pokemon Zapdos is based on First Nations folklore surrounding the Thunderbird. Did not know that until I looked this up. There was also a British sci-fi TV show by the name of Thunderbirds that had nothing to do, like, with the actual Thunderbirds that we're talking about, but I did have to throw that in there. <laughs> All right. And I do just want to say that I find Native American legends incredibly interesting, and the Thunderbirds are no exception. As a kid, I always hated storms, and I mean, like, I hated them so much, I would curl up in a comforter and run to our storm room that we had and hide in there. And because of that, my family would always tell me silly things like, oh, the thunder is the sound of, like, angels bowling, and the lightning is a strobe light from the angels bowling party, and things like that, so I wouldn't, like, lose my mind. I think I got told that, too. I'm like, where did that come from? What if the angels don't like to bowl? I think that's what my grandpa told me, what storms were. That's hilarious. Is that angels were bowling. Yeah, that's what I was told. Uh, (laughs) So, seeing that Native American legends, the thunderbird makes those sounds by Flapping its wings and flashing its eyes is actually pretty cool. Yeah. So I've always loved birds and I've always loved storms, mm-hmm. especially as a kid. <laughs> so I absolutely love the Thunderbird. It's so cool. Yeah, it is super cool. I like how it looks in the Fantastic Beast movie. It does. It looks really it's cool. really cool. Yeah. I would love to have a pet one. They're so cute. I don't know if I'd want a pet. They're birds. Yeah, They're uh-huh. symbols of freedom. I just want a friend, Thunderbird, okay? Yeah, a friend. A thunder friend, if you will. I want to pet it and fly away. Yes. All right, so now we're moving on to the Wendigo. Spooky, spooky. So spooky. Surprise, surprise, I found out about the Wendigo from the X-Files. I'll go into further detail in a moment, but the episode had not, like, 
explicitly send Wendigo. Um, it had just alluded to it. After watching the episode, which, mind you, I was probably like 10 years old, if not younger, I asked my brother questions about it, and he told me about the Wendigo. Mm. I found about it through Until Dawn. Which, <laughs> we'll get into that later yes. as well. <laughs> That's how I first heard about and yeah. found about it. <laughs> And the Wendigo is a humanoid creature, sometimes described as similar to an ape. However, the most popular description is that of a human head with the head of a deer. Um, I did also want to include the description explanation from Basil H. Johnston, an Ojibwe teacher and scholar from Ontario. They stated, The Wendigo was gaunt to the point of emaciation, its desiccated skin pulled tightly over its bones. With its bones pushing out against its skin, its complexion, the ash gray of death, and its eyes pushed back deep into their sockets, the Wendigo looked like a gaunt skeleton recently disinterred from the grave. What lips it had were tattered and bloody, unclean and suffering from separation of the flesh. The Wendigo gave off a strange and eerie odor of decay and decomposition of death and corruption. Mm, crispy. Yes. <laughs> Wendigo's a crispy boy. Or I guess reverse crispy because they're like really associated with like freezing and like winter yeah. a lot of the time. Yeah. So the Wendigo originates from Native American legend and is said to be a demonic half beast as told by, again, forgive me for if I mispronounce. Algonquian? The, Algonquian peoples among the Atlantic coast of the United States and Canada. They are seen as malevolent, cannibalistic, supernatural beings of great spiritual power who are strongly associated with the winter, the north, coldness, as well as famine and starvation. As with many Native American myths or legends, the Wendigo has been seen as far back as 40,000 years ago and is still spotted to this very day, but also sometimes just heard. I'm not going to lie, the first time I, like, was when I first started reaching it, uh, researching it mm -hmm. after playing Until Dawn. Yeah. For some reason, my brain really, uh, went to the Dahmer party. Oh, my God. You heard about that? Yes. Yeah. Uh, oh. It's cold. Mm -hmm. Starvation. Mm -hmm. It hits the marks. So, an interesting fact is that in modern psychiatry, the Wendigo lends its name to a form of psychosis known as Wendigo psychosis which is characterized by symptoms such as an intense craving for human flesh and an intense fear of becoming a cannibal. Wendigo's psychosis is described as a culture-bound syndrome. In some First Nations communities, other symptoms such as insatiable greed and destruction of the environment are also thought to be symptoms of Wendigo psychosis. That is really interesting. Yeah. I did not know that was a thing. I didn't either until I was like doing some research. So I was like, oh, what? <laughs> Oh, makes me so sketched out. <laughs> so I found quite a bit about the Wendigo and pop culture, and I really only used a few of the things that I found. There were so many. There's a lot. Yes. And um, as I had stated previously, there is an X-Files episode that alludes to the Wendigo. In the 19th episode of the first season, titled Shapes, Mulder and Scully travel to Montana to investigate the death of a Native American man. The killing appears to be motivated by a dispute over the ownership of a tract of land, although Parker, a local rancher, claims that he fired on a monstrous animal rather than a human. Mulder finds tracks leading to the area that appear to change from human to something more animal in nature. Scully dismisses this, but finds a large section of 
a shed of human skin nearby, leading them, or, well, Mulder, to speculate that they are dealing with a shape-shifting being. That was a really good episode. I would recommend that. It was very messed up, though. <laughs> um, and the Wendigo inspired the character in Stephen King's novel Pet Cemetery, where it is a personification of evil, an ugly grinning creature with yellow-gray eyes, ears replaced by ram's horns, white vapor coming from its nostril, and a pointed, decaying yellow tongue. And a character inspired by the Wendigo appears in Marvel comic books in which the monster is the result of a curse that afflicts those who commit acts of cannibalism. It first appeared in The Incredible Hulk, uh, number 162, in April 1973, and again in the October 1974 issue. Mm. And now we bring it back to Sam. <laughs> the 2015 <laughs> horror survival video game Until Dawn by Supermassive Games features Wendigos as the main antagonist. I've not played Until Dawn. It's fun. I've heard it's a lot of fun. I've not played it, but I have played Fallout 76. <laughs> and in the 2018 role-playing game, Fallout 76 by Bethesda Game Studios, Wendigos are featured as one of the cryptid enemies found in the area of Appalachia, mutated from people who consumed human flesh in isolation. Mm. Yes. Which we did previously mention the same game uh, for the Mothman episode. Yeah. There's Mothman in it. And there was another cryptid, I can't think of the top of my head, that's there. Because I think there was three in that game. Mm. I never played it. Oh, that's fine. It was, like, super buggy. Oh, well, yeah, but <laughs> it is fun. Um, but the Wendigo is definitely finally, um, is definitely the most interesting cryptid in this episode, for me at least. There are so many stories about Wendigo encounters dating so far back in history, but even to this day. Although a lot of these sightings are people hearing these strange noises and believing that they are being made by a Wendigo like screeching and stuff like that which i mean it might be a mountain lion but also might be a wendigo you don't know it also could just be a way to like warn people against like cannibalism yes yeah 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 and like i can imagine like people because there has been like some research done on like people who have had unfortunately had to resort to it for survival yeah that it does like do something to their brains mm -hmm. So that might have been, like, trying to figure out an explanation yeah, for that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because, like, with the psychosis is, like, named after mm -hmm. it. So I think that's pretty interesting. Interesting. I think I would rather die than resort to cannibalism. I won't lie to you. <laughs> Look, I got a lot going on, okay? <laughs> no, no. I'd go forage for some berries or something, but I'm not that bright, so I'd probably eat something poisonous and just die that way. But, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Look, I'll do what I need to, all right? Gotcha. So, next up we got is... Wampus Cat. Wampus Cat. I just love the name Wampus I so much. Yes. It's such a good word. Um, I'd never even heard of a Wampus Cat before researching for this episode. Mountain monsters, baby. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the descriptions of the wampus cat vary throughout. Though generally, it's a cat-like creature, sometimes described as being half cat and half dog. In West Texas, it's reported to be nocturnal in nature and infamous for its terribly loud, raucous voice. In Washington State, it's thought to shed its whiskers, white ones by day and black ones by night. Hmm. It is often depicted as being a fearsome water panther, having fur as black as dusk. And in non-Native American cultures, it's said it has glowing yellow eyes that can pierce through people's souls and drive them insane. 
and it is also sometimes reported to walk on its hind legs. Mm. So, although wampus cat legends can be heard throughout the South in the United States, they seem to be pre- predominantly prominent in the Appalachia and, and has its origin in Cherokee lore. There are several different versions of how the wampus cat came to be. One of the most prominent legends behind the wampus cat says that a group of Native American men set out for a long and grueling hunting trip. Because of the nature and duration of this hunt, no, men, no women were permitted to accompany the men. Both the men and the women of the tribe were incredibly upset about this order. One particularly spirited wife decided to secretly follow the men along of their hunt. In order to camouflage herself, the woman decided to wear the hide of a, of a cougar and hang near the campfire. She listened with rapture to the tales of the hunt, the rites of the hunt, and the conversation of the men. However, she soon made herself known. Perhaps she coughed or gasped or repositioned herself and broke a stick. Not total, not fully clear. Mm-hmm. But whatever happened, the men discovered her and were infuriated. They brought her back to their village and let the shaman decide her fate. The shaman punished this woman by turning her into the animal she wore on a ba- on her back. Thus, the wampus cat was created. The wampus cat is a half-human, half-cougar, and is cursed until the end of time to walk the woods alone. Because of her terrifying appearance and experience, all those who cross her path are terrified of her and typically run screaming, thus preventing her from ever having positive human contact. (laughs) It is said that the wampus cat has the ability to walk on her hind legs and has the snout and ears of a feline. The wampus cat likes to stalk campfires, especially those only with men, perhaps as a way to avenge her situation. Sometimes she simply steals food, and other times she attacks those around the campfire. Why am I just imagining, like, the the cat people from Skyrim? (laughs) The Khajiit? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Oh my gosh. That's just what I'm envisioning that we're talking about. I was thinking of the, that weird Catwoman movie. Was it Halle Berry that her in that one that yeah. really weird one yes yeah sure was that uh, poor woman though that sucks for her yeah all um, she wanted to do was go hunting yeah that's that's horrible so reports of the wampus cat first came about in the first half of the 19th century with sightings continuing to this day according to appalachianhistory.net so the wampus cat is where the term catawampus alleged- allegedly comes from Cata Mountain was a common way to say mountain cat. Catawampus was used to describe an atypical or strange cat that those in the mountains believed they were seeing. And similarly to the Thunderbird, it is also one of the houses of the Ilvermani school. And it is the one representing the body and mm-hmm. is like the uh is like those who get sorted into mm-hmm. that house are the warriors. Yeah, that one's cool. Yeah. So, uh, for pop culture, Willie McQuillian. Did I say that right? Willie McKillian. McKillian. I'm so sorry. I think it's Willie McKillian from the Ames team on the show Mountain Monsters encountered it when he was nine years old. His parents told him to get something from the shed late at night. He went out and became face-to-face with a jet-black panther-like creature with glowing eyes. The creature gave a weird high-pitched hissing sound which frightened him back inside the house. 
Many years later, on his same farm, he had the same kind of encounter with the beast, precisely like the encounter he had as a nine-year-old, and he also has lost a lot of his pigs to the creature. And then in J.K. Rowling's Pottermore story, History of Magic in North America, the wampus cat is listed as a source of hair used in magic wands. In the Roald Dahl movie, oh my gosh, in the Roald Dahl novel, it is also a movie, but James and the Giant Peach, the police officers and firemen of New York City mistook the centipede for a wampus. Hmm. Rude. How do you mistake an insect with a cat person? I don't think the NYPD is really on it, you know? I just I don't. <laughs> uh, and then the Kobold Press converted the Wampus Cat into a monster for Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition in their source book, Tome of Beasts. These Wampus Cats appear as female mountain lions with the heads of a human, trolkin, orc, or goblin women, and are created through curses leveled by shamans upon women who practice forbidden magic. Possessing the ability to enthrall others with their voice, Wampus Cats despise all men. Same but especially holy men, priests, and shamans who they seek to kill in retribution for their fate. Yeah, so the Mountain Monster episode that had the wampus cat in it, mm-hmm. they described it as a bear creature for some reason. Interesting. They didn't call it the wampus cat. It was like, they just, I think the episode was called the wampus beast of something county. And in huh. the description, it's like, oh, it's there's like a bear-like beast. And they trapped it in a cauldron. Oh. Or tried to Uh-oh. trap it in a cauldron. They called it a cauldron trap. Uh huh. <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah, I, I had to include that for you. I thank saw you. That and I was like, oh my god, Sam's gonna love this. I did. Thank you. <laughs> um, and I've never played Dungeons and Dragons. It's so um, fun. Yeah, I've heard it's a lot of fun. Um, that's cool though. Kind of just from what it explained about it. I feel yeah. like there's all so much that goes into that that I like my head could not wrap around. It's okay. I'll, well, I'll ease you in. Yes. <laughs> I love making dice. Okay. So okay. Fun. Do you make your own, like, resin dice? or? Yeah. That's so cool. I'm, like, not good with that stuff, but that's cool. <laughs> a lot of practice. Yes. And patience. So, this is a very cool legend. Um, I loved researching it. I can't believe that I'd never heard of it before. It definitely had some really interesting pop culture references. Um, I would love to see, like, a movie or, like, a documentary made about it. That'd mm. be really cool. It would be. Like, especially going back to, like, the origins of it, that would make a super cool movie. Yeah. I also just, again, I just love the name Wampus. Yes. It's such a fun (laughs) name and word to say. Yes, it is. Wampus cat. Wampus. (laughs) It definitely does sound Appalachian. (laughs) That's very funny, though. Catawampus. It sounds cute, though. It does. I, mean, I, I would name a cat Wampus. That would be Next adorable. cat I get is getting named Wampus. Please. That would be so cute. Yes. Oh, my God. Little Wampus. That would be so cute. Oh, my God. Oh, and the art for the Wampus cat for, like, the houses for Ilvermani. Uh-huh. Um, the Wampus cat has, like, three tails. It's like a three-tailed cat. I Okay, I have seen that. Okay. I have seen the artwork for that with the Harry Potter stuff. That is so cool. I can't believe they took that quiz off Pottermore. That's... I hope they bring it back at some point. That's horrible. Cannot believe they did that. Yeah. Did we bring up that uh, we were both surprised Gryffindors on there? 
I don't think we talked about that. So Sam and I did take the Pottermore quizzes. I thought I was going to be a Ravenclaw. I thought I was going to be a Slytherin. Every because, other quiz we've taken. Yes. I like, I don't know. I just always thought I was a Slytherin and then we both ended up being Gryffindors. <laughs> we would be a chaotic. <laughs> yeah. Gryffindor oh my gosh. Duo. <laughs> yeah, I know. And then we did the Patronus and Wand yes, one. Yeah. Both the wand and Patron, the wand one for me, flat out, was like, you're not afraid to die. Yeah. It's <laughs> like. Like every aspect of the quiz for me was like, you are intense. Yeah. Because what was mine? It was cypress, dragon heart string. Yes. And then like eight and a half inches <laughs> or something like that. Yes. Oh my gosh. I Mine was um like rigid flexibility. Yes. But it was like the extra long one or whatever. Oh yeah. You got like the really long yes. flexible. That uh, was just the weirdest thing. Yours was unicorn hair and was it vine wood? I think so. I think it was. I was trying to see if I can go back to it and I don't know how to find it. And then you got a really rare Patronus. You got like this. You got like the second most rare Patronus. Yes. We both got Patronuses associated with death. (laughs) That is true. Okay. So my wand was unicorn core. It's 14 and a half inches (laughs) and a supple flexibility made of pine wood. Pine wood. That was it. And then my um, Patronus is a Thestral. For those that don't remember what the Thestral was, it's the, like, skeletal horse you like see. Like Pegasus-looking thing? Yeah, but, like, a skeleton, skeletal yes. that yeah. uh, Luna says is, like, oh, um, only those who have, like, who have, like, witnessed or seen mm-hmm. death can see them. But then, like, the Patronus thing is, like, oh, you don't have to have yeah. witness death to be able to conjure the Thestral. But that's, like, the second most rare one. And you got that yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. Very exciting. I got a buzzard for my Patronus. I, I think happy. that's really cool. Yeah. I love that. I love birds. <laughs> birds are amazing. I just think it's funny that we both got Patronuses associated with death. Yeah, I know. Thank you so we much for tuning into surprise another episode Gryffindors. of Cryptid Crunch. I Don't know. forget to follow it's our Instagram at Cryptid Crunch. I'm Alina. And I'm Sam, and we'll be back next week with another creepy crawly cryptid. Woo!